Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. This episode of the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast Series is brought to you by GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high-quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facelia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. Today, I'd like to introduce Brian Young, a weed scientist at Purdue University. Brian will be discussing cover crops and weed suppression. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you, happy to be here. To get us started, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so as mentioned, Brian Young from Purdue University. I'm a faculty member. I've been at Purdue University from 2014 to present. Before that, I was at Southern Illinois University in the southern third of Illinois as a faculty member in weed science as well. And that was from 1998 to 2013. Um, growing up, though, I grew up on a sugar beet and dried up a bean farm in the Thelma, Michigan. So a flatlander, I guess you could say. Um, where tillage was common. Uh, every year we did fall uh, plowing, of course. Uh, went to Michigan State University and then my PhD at uh, University of Illinois. Fantastic. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into today's topic. Uh, let's talk a little bit about seeding rates for cover crops. What have you found is the ideal seeding rate when cover crops are used for weed suppression? Well, typically we're focused on biomass production for cover crops to suppress weed growth. And so relative to what some might say the common seeding rates of cover crops, just to reduce soil erosion, uh, we might be a little bit higher. So let's take cereal rye as an example. So where some recommendations might be in the area of 60, 65 pounds per acre uh, as a seeding rate, if we really want to increase the biomass, especially in the fall to get a lot of new growth, uh, we might be over 100 pounds of seed per acre uh, just to have more biomass to suppress those fall emerging weeds as well. So how long should covers grow in the spring then to help suppress weeds? That's a good question. So if we're just after weed suppression, letting them grow as long as possible uh, getting as much biomass growth is ideal. However, the challenge we run into is how long can we let them grow yet still effectively terminate them through chemical or non-chemical means in the spring relative to when we want to get our uh, cash crop planted. So that's the balance that we have. And so there's a lot of discussion about planting green right now, meaning that you don't terminate the cover crop, you plant your cash crop, and then at some point after planting the cash crop, uh, the, you then terminate your cover crop. And by doing that, you know, we get a lot of biomass ap after April 15th in the spring. And if we terminate before that, we're not taking advantage of what that cover crop can do potentially for weed suppression. And so there's a trend towards delaying that termination longer in the spring, even in some cases after the cash crop's been planted to maintain that biomass. So are there specific cover crop species that are better at weed suppression than others? Yeah, I think there are. Um, certainly if you polled maybe a hundred weed scientists, 
probably 90% of the responses would suggest that cereal rye is the best at suppressing weeds um, because it, it's fairly well adaptable to a lot of geographies, easy to get established in the fall. Uh, it's a cultivated crop, so you're, you're inclined to get a fairly uniform stand for the most part. And because of the biomass that it produces, and it does produce allelic chemicals, so chemicals produced by the cereal rye that can help suppress the growth of other plants, such as the weeds, you know, it has both physical and chemical attributes, which make it a good candidate as a cover crop for weed suppression. And by far, that is, you know, the most effective, not to say that others don't have some impact as well, but that is probably the most effective by far. Okay. So typically when we talk about cover crops and weeds, the word allelopathic comes up. What species have you found can function as allelopathic in the field? So again, I would go back to cereal rye is the one that we recognize the most as having allelopathic, uh, allelopathic properties. Again, chemicals being produced by cereal rye, which can inhibit or suppress the growth of other plant species, uh, namely the weeds. And there are some others that might have some little uh, chemical properties such as barley. Uh, some would suggest that wheat can have some allelopathic properties as well. Um, maybe not to the same extent though as something like cereal rye. Uh, so those are three, and, and we are talking more about some of the grass cover crops than we are, of course, the broadleaf cover crops that can be used as well. So some of the grass crops used as covers uh, tend to be more allelopathic. Fair enough. So now, earlier you were talking about how geography influences uh, cover crops and, and all of that. Growers are choosing cover crops for weed suppression. Um, of course, geography should play a, a factor in their decision. What about soil type? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. So you need to make sure that where you're planting that cover crop, and it's not just be by geography, but by field and drainage uh, that you might have in individual fields, what's going to grow well in that field, in that geography. Because for wheat suppression, it's all about getting good, stand, good stand establishment in the fall so that you don't have these open spaces where weeds will emerge and you have problems with horseweed or mare's tail or giant ragweed the following spring. And so it's very frustrating to have a good cover crop such as CORI, yet people still need to manage mare's tail in the fall with a herbicide application because they didn't have a good stand of it. So you have to recognize when am I planting my cover crop? And maybe you can say that, well, I've grown, you know, vetch before um, and I've had good stands, but when are you planting in the fall? Are you going to get a good stand if you can't plant that vetch until after harvest and now it's November 1st. Is that still your best option? Or are there other ones that would be better at getting a good stand established that late in the fall? Um, so it's really, planting cover crops is very responsive. You have to respond to what the conditions dictate. And that can be the frustrating part 
that's where I guess some would suggest the art comes in, uh, where you know you're being dictated all these different factors, and you have to interpret what is the best option at that point in time. Absolutely, that's a great great point. Um, you also kind of answered my next question, asking about. Um, cover crops and, and why they need to establish quickly. Is cereal rye also a species that establishes quickly or are there others that growers should keep in mind? Well, cereal rye certainly is one of them. Um, you know, if you go to kind of the starter cover crop, like some would use uh, wheat, winter wheat as a possibility that can also start fairly early um, and be fairly robust. Um, so those come to mind, the broadleaf legumes tend to take a little bit more time. Oats would be another example. So some spring oats, um, depends on when you get something seeded, but some, uh, radish, um, you know, some mustard species, if you get them planted, maybe interseeded or flown on, uh, on your corn, uh, before harvest or something, you know, that's giving that an opportunity to establish as well. But a lot of our cereals, our, our grass cover crops can take off fairly quickly and get a good stand established. And the broadleafs need a little bit more help. Kind of like we use uh, some of these cereal crops as a smother crop to get alfalfa established, right? Uh, because some of the broadleafs just take a little bit longer. So that's where some of these combinations might make some sense that we have some ground cover uh, with the grasses and that allows some of the other broadleaf covers get established a little bit later on. So, Part of that establishing quickly and it includes producing large amounts of biomass. Which cover crop species produce large amounts of biomass that are good for weed suppression? Well, there I would go back to cereal rye makes the most sense, but it depends on how long you allow that cover to grow in the spring in terms of biomass production. Uh, because cereal rye, it's going to grow fairly well under some of those cooler conditions and start to grow a little bit sooner than some other covers might uh, in the early spring. Uh, so it might have an advantage from that perspective. Um, the other thing with cereal rye is, you know, the way it grows upright and then depends on how you terminate it. If you roll it, for instance, it can be in an organized fashion and it might be easier to plant into that situation while it's still standing up and then roll it down, but I've seen the opposite occurred too. I've seen it roll right ahead of planting, which has worked effectively as well, as long as you roll it in the same direction that you're planting. Um, but in terms of the biomass, cereal rye is one that uh, I know would probably be in the, you know, on the upper percentage of uh, the cover crops that have a lot of biomass being produced, and maybe some of the others you, you might be able to get half as much biomass. So now, have you found if a single cover crop species versus a cover crop mix are more effective when being used for weed suppression? Well, our research would suggest that, uh, as mentioned, zero rye does really well at suppressing some winter annual weed growth and some summer annual weed growth. And when we start using mixtures, we might reduce the rate of the cereal rye to introduce whatever we're mixing it with. Maybe it's fetch or maybe it's a clover. Um, and when we do that, 
we tend to, you know, create opportunities for weeds to get established in the fall if we have a little bit lighter stand than what we would like. Um, so the challenge is finding a mixture that can cover the space early in the fall and do it as well as cereal rye by itself. Um, and that's where it's from the challenge comes in. Typically some of our barley if we just take a little bit longer to get established. Um, so mixtures can be fine for weed suppression, but they might not be as effective as just having cereal rye out there if you're sacrificing the early fall growth and uniformity of cover across the entire field. We don't want to sacrifice that. Okay. So now talk a little bit about how cover crops help reduce the weed seed bank and, and starting we, stopping weeds before they even get started. Yeah, sure. So in terms of these cover crops reducing the weed seed bank, we have a couple of things that could be factors. One is the, the cover crop is just suppressing the growth by maybe influencing the soil moisture or the physical space that the weeds have to grow. And it could reduce the amount of seed being produced from those weeds trying to grow in the cover crop. Another factor though, it's been shown that when you have a cover crop established in a field, you create a different ecosystem to some extent. Now you have different uh, predators for weed seed. So it might be field mice, voles, uh, it might be birds uh, that are now present in your field because they're, that cover crop is a habitat and they're foraging around for something to eat. And in some cases it could be weed seeds. So cover crops can create that habitat for predators that feed on weed seeds. Now that's not something that is predictable in terms of how much weed seed they'll eat or consume every year because it's variable with environment and population of the predators and maybe how many years in a row you've had a cover on that field to allow more predators to be in that general proximity. Uh, so that's the other way. You can just physically reduce how much seed is being produced by the weed seeds, or you can increase the predation by creating a habitat for these predators. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facelia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. And now back to the podcast. So is that one way that covers can be part of a long range plan for controlling weeds all season long? Or what are some other options for growers? Well, some cover crops can certainly be an option for you know, non-chemical cultural management system for weeds. Um, and we do focus on reducing the weed seed bank and covers can help facilitate that uh, by having a habitat for predators. Now, of course, there's other things that individuals can do that non-chemical that they could do later in the season 
to help suppress weed seed production even more. I know of some that are planting covers that they also, in an organic system, they have weed electrocution as one possible method that they utilize. Uh, I've heard of a few more these days using maybe rope wick applicators for really tall weeds, like maybe you have Johnson grass or shatter cane growing above the crop canopy, and you can use that. Uh, so there'd be some chemical and even non-chemical methods that you can implement along with cover crops to reduce that weed seed bank. Okay. So by using cover crops for weed suppression, how does that help growers then save money on herbicides? Well, number one, I would say that unless you're an experienced person with cover crops, I can't guarantee a reduced herbicide bill when you introduce covers to your farm because they have to be effectively used for weed suppression. In some cases, we're not using the cover just for weed suppression. We're after it for uh, managing nutrients in the soil, uh, sequestering nitrogen as one example, or maybe producing nitrogen uh, such as a legume. And so those different types of covers are gonna have a different type of impact on weed management. Um, one thing that we've noted in some of our research, when we terminate prior to planting our cover, or excuse me, our cash crop in the spring, is when we terminate in that early to mid, maybe even late April, we don't always see a reduction in our herbicide usage because we need one maybe to terminate the cover crop and then we're still using residual herbicide for problematic weeds such as water hemp or palmer amaranth. And then we still need a post-emergence application of herbicide as well. So covers don't necessarily reduce your herbicide bill. Can they? Yes, they can. Another way to look at that, even if you spend the same amount on your herbicide bill, we seem to get more consistent and complete control when a cover crop is involved. So in other words, the cover crop complements the herbicide program. So you're spending the same but the overall level of effectiveness is possibly better. And you're going to have less of a selection pressure for herbicide resistance because you're managing some of the weeds through the use of the cover crop. So it has those two benefits. Now, if you're proficient at using cover crops and part of the goal is for weed suppression, you can get that biomass production. And I've heard of some individuals that they won't apply uh, their first herbicide until maybe a couple of weeks after they planted their cash crop, because maybe they come in and they use a roller crimper for their rye three weeks after they planted their soybean. And then it's after they roll and crimp that they might go ahead and utilize a residual herbicide if that's their experience. So instead of using the residual herbicide three weeks earlier, right at planting, or even five, week, five weeks earlier in a early spring termination plus residual, they're using it several weeks later after the crop has already been, cash crops been planted, uh, maybe during a termination uh, application of the cover crop as well. So it really depends on the cover crop system in terms of how much you're gonna save on that herbicide bill. Okay, great. So can cover crops work for weed suppression in conventional systems and organic systems? Yeah, I think that's one area that, you know, it's kind of exciting that being in weed science now for over 20 years, you know, I've been on the chemical side. And so I haven't touched a lot of organic areas. Um, but when we talk about cover crops, it's something that any information we learn typically can benefit both groups, conventional systems 
as well as those inorganic systems. Because uh, we are using roller crimpers for some of our research, that non-chemical termination and benefits that way. And we do have, even in the presence of covers, and I know some diehard no-tailers would gasp at this, but high residue row cultivation can be used even in the presence of cover crops. Uh, there's a lot of residue, but you can still use these high residue cultivators uh, to supplement weed management in an organic system if need be. So why does reducing or eliminating that fallow period sometimes from between November to April, why does reducing that or getting rid of that time period altogether and using cover crops instead, why can that result in fewer weeds? Well, weeds are pioneers. Uh, they take advantage of any open space. And if you harvest your field in the fall and don't do anything until the following spring, you'll see, you know, in our geography, in a lot of the Midwest, purple fields in the spring because of hen bit and purple dead nettle, maybe some chickweed out there, maybe it's white because of field pennycress. And so they're going to invade the area. Plants are going to grow. Uh, especially if you've had weed in the rotation and you've tried to manage uh, weeds within your small grains as well. So weeds will grow. And if you provide some sort of cover, you're not going to have those open areas for weeds to invade that area and germinate. Mare's tail is a good example. Mare's tail, you can probably suppress a lot of mare's tail if you increase how much henbit and purple dead nettle you have in your fields, but nobody really wants to do that. Uh, because Maristel doesn't like a lot of competition. It likes a lot of open sunlight, open soil space, and that's where covers can be effective at helping suppress fall emergence, especially of a weed such as Maristel. If we can suppress some of the fall emergence of these weed species, uh, then come spring, we're just going to have maybe some spring emergers, and they're going to be smaller in size than a fall germinated plant again, which makes weed management easier when those weeds are smaller, when we have to deal with them close to crop planting in the spring. Okay. So what is the best timing to seed cover crops to get the most weed suppression? Well, again, that depends on the comfort level of the farmer. We hear about seeding methods where we're intercropping into corn, and so we're doing that you know, about 11 months before we might terminate that particular cover. Maybe it's uh, 10 months. So well in advance of uh, when it might be terminated. We might have others that are aerial seeded in August, possibly, you know, before we have harvesting of soybean or corn in the fall. And we have some that are going to be seeded shortly after harvest in the fall. <clears throat> now, which management system is best for a particular farmer depends on their herbicide program if they are using herbicides. Those that are intercropping their cover crops, let's say into corn, standing corn, about that V6 timing, you can't have a lot of residual herbicides present that might interfere with the growth of your cover crops. And if you're aerial seeding into August, September, into standing corn or beans, Again, you don't want a lot of residual herbicide in with that post application possibly 
that you had that previous summer, that'll interfere with those cover crops being established. And then if you're seeding in the fall, uh, well, that provides more opportunity for residuals in your weed management program during that growing season, but you still have to know about which species might be more restrictive in terms of the residual herbicides that you're using in your previous crop. How should cover crops be terminated? Is there a termination method that is better for helping with weed suppression? Well, that's a, that's a good question. So if I have cereal rye, and it's a pretty good uniform stand of cereal rye, not a lot of weeds have invaded that. You know, roller crimper has shown to be an effective tool for managing that um, as a spring termination event. Now, if I have cereal rye and it's not a great stand, maybe I have some other covers in there as well, uh, such as uh, crimson clover. Maybe I'm not as confident at getting a good kill with a roller crimper. Maybe I need to utilize a herbicide, a chemical application for termination in that point. Or maybe I have my covers and let's go back to just straight cereal rye, but instead of using a roller crimper, I decide to use a herbicide to terminate because I also have some winter annual weeds in there and some thin areas. And I know if I just roller crimp, I'm not gonna control those weed species. I'm just going to annoy them. So if you have weeds that have invaded your cover crop, maybe that would suggest that uh, spring termination with herbicides is in order versus having a solid stand of a cover crop that you know a roller crimper can be completely effective. Okay, so kind of following along that same train of thought, is there an ideal termination timing uh, in the growing season that is most effective to help mitigate weeds? Well, if we're just concerned about weeds and we don't care about the cast crop right now, let's just say that's the example, because that'd be the easiest. You know, waiting the longer, the better. But we know that if we allow some cover crops to grow too long in the spring, they become a little bit difficult to manage. And so I was just talking with another faculty member, uh, Chalamar Armstrong here at Purdue, and he was discussing challenges of letting Alonza clover grow a little bit beyond ideal and it's just too much biomass to roll or crimp. You know, yes, it was succulent. You could crimp somewhat, but there's so much biomass out there. It wasn't very effective. And to plant into it, it was very difficult as well. So I think you have to have an understanding of how you're going to plant into that. Uh, because for weed control, having as much biomass as possible is the answer. But you still have to plant into it at some point. And that's where biomass can be problematic unless it's a, uh, let's just say a controlled biomass event like you do with a roller crimper and rye, uh, where you roll it and you plant in the same direction. Um, not all cover crops are gonna be adapted to that. Um, so in short, the best time to terminate is as long as possible, delay that, but make sure you can still manage the vegetation in terms of planting your cash crop and you have an effective tool to terminate it that late as well. So now, can cover crops work well for weed suppression with only certain cash crops or before or after certain cash crops? Or does the cash crop that will be going in amongst the cover crop or before or after, does that make a difference? Well, if I, if I think about, you know, the 
ease of moving into a cover crop system for beginners. You know, we talk about using cereal rye and probably going into soybean the following season makes a lot of sense. So you'd be doing after corn harvest, possibly seeding that cereal rye um, and then managing that in soybeans the following year. Whereas if you're going to go into corn production, well, then we get into concerns about all that residue and maybe tie up of additional nitrogen in your corn production. So you might need starter fertilizer uh, to help, you know, offset some of the, the carbon you have in your field from all that residue from cereal rye. We start talking about maybe potential allele chemicals as well, and that's going to be dependent on environmental conditions, soil conditions. So I, I think, you know, the cover crop system does depend on the cash crop you're going for and which one makes the most sense. Uh, you know, you're trying to fix some nitrogen because you're going into a, a nitrogen hungry crop such as corn, or is it soybean where the nitrogen fixation isn't quite as important? So I, I think there are some issues there. Another good example is when you sequester nitrogen. So after corn harvest, and maybe you still have some residual amounts of nitrogen in the soil somewhere because you gave it a good side dress uh, amount of nitrogen. Maybe, you know, something that can help get a good root system, sequester some of those nutrients, uh, keep them from leaching away, makes sense. Whereas you're probably not concerned about that after soybean harvest. Very good. Well, we are running short on time today, Brian. Where can our listeners go for more information about cover crops and weed suppression? Well, number one, I would check with your state extension specialist, whether it be a cropping system specialist or a soil conservation specialist or your state specialist for weed management. Uh, so first, go to your state uh, extension specialist for that information. And second, um, I would just recommend we have put together through the I Will Take Action educational series on the website through United Soybean Board. So IWillTakeAction.com. If you just Google that and look at cover crop and weeds, there's a series of four fact sheets available now about management of cover crops for the idea of suppressing weeds or managing weeds a little bit better in combination with herbicide use as well. Um, so I would direct them again to IWillTakeAction.com and search for cover crops and weeds and you should be able to find that series. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Appreciate your insight. Thank you very much for your time, Sarah. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.